0: This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth With Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm honored to be able to be with you today. I'm so glad that you're joining us, that you're choosing to join us and that I get to bring you a word from God this morning, and I'm, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. We have lots to talk about as we are continuing our discussion of James, the book of James. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I come to you this morning, and I know that all of us, Lord, across the world are, are feeling the uncertainty of these times. We're feeling the weight of what the enemy is doing and how he is moving throughout the world, Lord. And we just want to take these next moments and renew our mind. We want to focus our attention away from the world and what is happening and its brokenness. And we want to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And while we can witness, Lord, all of these happenings throughout the globe, whether it's tyranny or war or famine or flooding or discouragement, we want to lift those people up to you, Lord. We want to stand in the gap this morning and just cry out to you and say, we ask your peace. We ask for your healing. We ask for you to quiet the waves of the storm and we ask for you to show us that you are God we stand in the gap for the people this morning that are having trouble in their marriage are having trouble at their jobs that are having health issues Lord and financial problems and family problems Lord and we just say to you that we believe in your word we believe that your promises are true we believe that you are greater than the lies and deception and deceit from the enemy and we claim those promises today Lord we stand on your foundation of truth and we believe in what you say and so this morning I just pray that you will anoint me with the Holy Spirit that I will speak your truth with love and that you will open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have to say to us this morning Lord We give you this time. We create this space, Holy Spirit, for you to work and move. And we're excited for everything that you are going to do. We love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the last three weeks, we have been unpacking the book of James and throughout these chapters James has been speaking to us and he's been telling us as Christians today the very same thing he was telling the Christians back in his time things that he wanted them to know things that he wanted them to know about the world and how they needed to activate their faith he knew the Christians scattered all over the world would face many challenges to their faith not only then but now and to remain faithful their beliefs needed to be not only intellectual something that they would know with their head but also very practical things that they could walk out things that they could do in their heart things that they could do with their feet right to activate their faith to step out in faith and to do that every day he knew at this time frame that these Christians drew social lines among themselves. And we looked at that, right, about uh, looking at between the difference between the poor and the wealthy and, and how are we interacting with them? Are we showing prejudice against them? But, but not only that, that there were certain cliques at that time frame that were more popular and more important in the church. And he was telling us how to navigate that, right? to to love everyone, to not judge them, to not differentiate between the social classes, economical classes, Christians, non-Christians, Jews, Gentiles, all of that. James shows us how our everyday actions need to match what we believe, what we say we believe. And that every day our speech should correspond with our inward faith as the Bible teaches, right? And we, and we talked about that last week about taming the tongue and how important it is that, that our mouth, what we say, the words that we choose, navigate a life-giving course, not only for ourselves, but for those people around us and how God planned for his people to be set apart and and could show that they were his followers, not only by what they say, but their actions, right? And that when when Jesus tells us to love one another, that it's not just saying, I love you, but it's also showing it out, acting it out, uh, giving them a meal helping them through a tragedy or a trial, uh, showing them that we love them. In a sense, being Jesus' hands and feet. And maybe as we've been looking more closely at this particular book in James, that you have been able to see that something written thousands of years ago can apply today can apply to how we are Christians today, scattered, trying to live out our faith. And if you've needed more proof that what was written back then can be applied today, well, let's look at one of today's top news stories. Let's for a minute talk about Afghanistan. Now, all we have to do is say that country's name and everyone around the world knows what's going on, has heard what's going on. The Taliban have taken over the country. We visually watched people fleeing the country. We've seen chaos. We've seen a lot of guns and weapons. We've seen people getting hurt. We have watched social norms already shifting things that were in play already starting to change out for those people. We are starting to see social lines being drawn between Muslims and Christians like never before. And people are being treated differently whether they are wearing a burqa or not. And I talked with uh, someone from Pakistan, one of my sisters in Christ, that we have partnered with Forest Glory Ministry has come along um, their ministry and has helped them with with different education centers and schools and and feeding um, and helping people with jobs and Pakistan which borders Afghanistan is an Islamic country on the 16th of this month in August made a new law that the teachings of the first to the 12th Quran is now mandatory in Punjab schools already things are changing and there feels like there is this acceleration happening and this trickle effect is happening in other places I received an email from a pastor in Malai he says this is in near Africa he says politicians are giving in to Muslims demand and allowing Muslim girls and women to be wearing their hijab their religious headgear in school and workplaces as if this is a human right in the Republican nation. Things are changing. Things are moving. Things are accelerating at a very quick speed. In the United States, we are hearing words like mandatory vaccinations and workplaces being able to let people go if they are not vaccinated. We're hearing about some of the rights that we have had in these countries and how those rights are being taken away. Those, those things are being altered and changed because someone else in power is saying, this is the way it's going to go from here on out. So as we look around this world, I think the one thing for sure that we can see that's tangible, that, that we can almost touch, is fear. And I li- as I listen to the current events around the world and I, I look forward to the days ahead, the one word that keeps coming up in my mind that I'm asking God is how. How are you going to make all of this work out? How are you going to allow us to move forward, Lord? How are are things gonna play out when there's so much uncertainty, so much chaos, so much fear? And as I was asking him this, how? He gave me a word, wisdom. Wisdom. The Bible is filled with wisdom, and we have been looking at that, right, over the last couple of weeks. Wise words from James to help us live out not only what we believe, but live it out day to day as Christians, showing that we believe in God's Word, that we want to follow, be more like Him. And when we look specifically at Colossians 19, verses 2 through 14, Paul is talking to the people of Colossae. And he tells them that he has never stopped praying for them and has been asking God to fill the people with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. We need to remember, as people today, that fear inhibits our ability to grow in the knowledge of God. And the enemy uses fear to trap us, to immobilize us, to make us paralyzed in fear so that we can't move forward. All we can do, all we feel like we can do is just to stand still and not do anything and be frozen inside of our fear. We get so focused on fear that as we're standing here, we don't look up. We don't look to God. We just, we look at what's happening around us and the situations. We isolate. We segregate. And we react. We react in our flesh. It's like we go into flight or fight mode. And so many times we run away. We, we don't look at the problem in front of us and think, well, I can do this. That's the last thing from our mind. We're thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? And we oftentimes just start thinking about ourselves, self-preservation in the flesh, isolated and alone. But what we need to remember is that when we ask God for wisdom and truth, we're canceling the plans of the enemy. We're we're saying, no, I will not react in fear. I'm looking to God. I'm looking to the one who holds the stars. I'm trusting and believing in what his word says. And we cancel the enemy's plans and we share in the inheritance of God's holy people, which is that we have his wisdom. We can grab onto that wisdom and he will give us exactly what we need, one day at a time, one step at a time, holding his hand. This wisdom lights up our path in the face of uncertainty. This wisdom reminds us that we don't have to do this in our own strength, that we have God, God going before us, preparing the way, and that we can do it With his truth and as we're looking at James today James chapter 4 and if you have your Bibles you're going to want to turn there right now James really is talking about four things he highlights four things that are important for us as we're looking at the world and and seeing that what he was writing back then really applies to us today He's talking about these wars and fights and, and where do they come from? And as we're looking um, on social media, as we're looking at the news, we're just seeing this right in the streets, war and fighting and struggle and fear. And what James is saying is that it comes from within. And as we look across the globe, we're seeing this war for power. This ward say that my way is the best way. My religion is the best way. This is the best way to do things. I have the power and I'm going to tell you what to do. And this power, right? This desire for power comes from the flesh. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. What are we asking for? What are we not asking for? Do they align with God's word? You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, jealously, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does humility look like in the world today? How can we even see humility when everybody is going after what they want, disregarding how it affects their neighbor or their family or their friends? This is what I want. I'm going to go for it. I don't care. I want it. And when we're not looking at the bigger picture for the greater good and we're, we're putting aside the desires of our heart and flesh and looking to our fellow citizens, then we're, we're not going to ask for God's wisdom. We're not going to care about God's wisdom. We're not going to care about what is happening in the world. and, And if it's whether or not it's good for everyone, because we're so wrapped up in our own desires. This leads to the next part that James is talking about, how humility cures worldliness. Humility cures worldliness. He says, starting in verse seven, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded lament and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up how many people out there that are struggling right now wanting power desiring what they want in the flesh not caring how it affects other people how many of those people do you think are submitting to God submitting to his wisdom submitting to his promises and james is telling us that to do that we have to resist the devil we have to resist his temptations we have to resist what he is trying to grow in our flesh which is those desires of the flesh for power to have our way to do what we want And as the world is trying to break in, as the enemy is trying to break in and distract us from who we truly are, to kill, steal, and destroy, to make us forget that we are made in the image of God. He's reminding us that we need to draw near to God so that he will draw near to us. God is always there, always in front of us, always asking us to come to him. But he's not going to do that if we are not taking the steps forward and showing him that we want to have that relationship with him. We have to draw near to God and he will come near to us. But what I love is that he's always there. He's always extending out his hand. He's always inviting us. But we have to make those steps forward. And he's given us the ability to cleanse our hands by what Jesus did on the cross. We have salvation. We have forgiveness. We have everlasting life. We have his abundant grace, but we need to cleanse. We need to repent. We need to submit. We need to surrender. And if we are trying to do that in our own flesh, in our own strength, we're going to fail we need to remember that we have to submit to god that he's there that we have to take the steps forward and that we can do it in his strength as we're as we're feeling like we're fighting against the world he goes on to say in point number three do not judge a brother do not speak evil of one another brother brethren He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? We are judging right now in our country those who are wearing a scarf and who are not. By physical looking at them, we're saying, okay, you're a Muslim or you're a Christian. And if you're a Muslim, I'm going to treat you this way. And if you're a Christian, I'm going to treat you this way. We're doing that amongst the rich and the poor. If this man looks like he's well-dressed and has a lot of money, well, we might be nicer to him than the person that's begging on the street. This person who's coming up to us in mismatched clothes and wild-color hair and tattoos Um, We might look at them differently than the person who is just more plainly dressed with natural color hair. How are we looking to our brother and judging with our eyes? And if we don't recognize what we're doing now, the persecution is going to continue. And this judgment is going to continue. And Jesus, what he did on the cross... To forgive us our sins, to stop the judgment, that's the precedent. That's what we need to look to. That's what we need to offer up to our fellow brothers and sisters, that same grace. That's why he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. No one was able to throw that stone because no one was without sin. None of us are without sin, but we are saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross for you and for me, he is the ultimate judge and he will judge one day. And we have to ask ourselves, are we ready? Are we living the life that is pleasing to the Lord? Or are we chasing after the desires of our flesh? And finally, James talks about in the end of chapter four, he concludes, do not boast about tomorrow. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. I've been guilty of that. I have tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a much better day. I have tomorrow. So today I did these things wrong. That's fine. Tomorrow I have tomorrow. Um, and I've worked out my schedule, you know, before to, to plan the events of the future and to write months in advance, what I was going to be doing. And, and sometimes we, we camp on those future dates. We make our, our events, we, we make our time, we schedule it out. We live by the schedules in our phones and in our planners, and sometimes we forget that we really are only promised today, that today is a gift, and that we have to trust in the Lord and believe His schedule and and what He has for us, and I think as we are living right now in these end times, however long this period is before Jesus returns that none of us know he will come like a thief in the night and if we are planning on well maybe next year I'm going to give my life over to the Lord maybe maybe next year I'm going to choose to do the things that James is saying maybe maybe next month I will stop drinking maybe tomorrow I will say I'm sorry to my wife or my husband. But my friends, I'm telling you that there are no promises what will happen tomorrow. And this is the time for the church to wake up and to listen to God's word and to meditate on God's word and to not only read about it, but do what it says because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know when Jesus will return. The Bible says it's soon, are we ready are we ready we talked about a door last week and how to activate our faith and we can be led to the door we can be taken up to the door and stand in front of that door but each of us ourselves have to grab on To the handle turn the knob and walk through the door but challenging it is to do that when we don't know what's going to be on the other side of the door we don't know what will be there when we open the door and get through we can be confident that God is there But each day as we wake up and the world groans and is waiting for Jesus' return, more and more and more things are happening in the world. Evil is growing. The enemy knows that his window of opportunity is closing and he only has so much time to do everything he wants to do before Jesus returns. And so each day when we get up and we choose to go through that door and to have faith and to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we are never going to know what's on the other side of that door, except that Jesus is there, that God is with us. And so as we watch the news and we hear about things like happening in Afghanistan and we look to the world and see tornadoes and flooding and fires and famine, We have to not live in fear. The Bible tells us that in the end days, it's only going to get worse before Jesus returns. So how do we stand strong? How do we keep reaching out to that handle every day and turning that knob and choosing to walk through that door? How do we keep our faith? How do we live out how James is suggesting? How do we keep shining bright in a world of darkness? Well, we not only read God's word, but we do what it says. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We take one day at a time recognizing that it's a gift and that the one who holds the stars is still in control. We feed on the words of God like what we're reading in James and we keep stepping out in faith one day at a time. I want to encourage you, my friends, that you can do that. I want to encourage you to stay on the, fa- on the path, that you keep rolling your life onto God's path and walking it out each step of the way, that we're doing this together as a body of believers, the church, that we're going to stay steadfast, that we're going to win the prize, and we know how this story ends. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your words today. I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you for your truth that we can read and stand on and believe in and that that will carry us through one day at a time, one step at a time, no matter what the future holds. We are going to be believing, though, Lord, that you are in control. And, And we're waiting for your return. And until then, I just pray that you will equip us that you will strengthen us, that each person watching, each person listening, Lord, today will feel your presence, that they will feel your Holy Spirit, that they will feel you working and moving and that you are greater. You are greater, Lord, than he who is in the world. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that. And, and we ask that that helps ignite our faith so that we can keep stepping out and turning that handle each day, walking through the door. We love you, Lord. We praise you, and we ask that you be with us as we start this new week. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, We will be looking at the fifth chapter of James next week. So if you want to read ahead and have that already meditating on that, already growing in your heart. That would be great. But until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.